0: Hi! I'm Randy And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. Okay, so today we are going to do a cult. Cult time. We we are so due for a cult. I agree, absolutely. I'm down for the cult talk. And I love a cult. She does, that's true. So we're going to do probably my favorite one ever, Mm -hmm. Jonestown. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) And you know that someone loves cults when they have a favorite cult. (laughs) That's
0: true. (laughs) If you count the Manson family as a cult, that's my favorite cult. Yes, absolutely. But some people don't put that classification on there, so Mm -hmm. this is my favorite like full-fledged cult. Excellent. I'm very excited to talk about your favorite cult. (laughs) Great. And if you know absolutely nothing about Jonestown, you've at least heard the phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid. True. And that's (laughs) where this comes from. That's about this cult. Mm -hmm. But if you do know everything there is to know about this case, (laughs) just know that I'm leaving some stuff out just because this case is really in-depth. And there is so much information out there to consume. So much, yeah. So I would love if you maybe comment on the Instagram, like, what's your favorite thing that I left out that you really wish I talked about? Or Mm -hmm. if you have a different opinion about something than me, Totally put it on there. It's Pillar Vibes underscore KCSU FM. Perfect.
1: And I mean, that kind of goes for like any of the really big cases that we cover. Probably like sans Ted Bundy. Right. That that was was a long one. (laughs) Um, But yeah, if you guys ever want to talk to us about like something that we may have missed or are like, oh, did you hear about this or whatever? We'd love to talk to you guys about it. You know, just comment on the Instagram and maybe like the page and follow us on iTunes and stuff. And we'll definitely get back to you guys. We love having conversations conversations
0: with everybody. Excellent. So (laughs) let's talk about Jonestown. Let's do it. First, let me tell you about the leader of the cult, Jim Jones. So Jim Jones was born and raised in Indiana and he was always really drawn to religion. So he learned a lot about it growing up and apparently he was really into the kind of more extreme traditions in Christianity, like He really loved Pentecostals. Don't we all? Don't we all? I mean, (laughs) honestly, they're really interesting. They are. They're an interesting group of human beings, that's for sure. He was also a huge proponent of racial equality. And even, like, pre-the 1970s, when all of this, all of Jonestown, (laughs) uh you know, blows up, he was, like... Doing this in the '50s in Indianapolis, and that's really cool. Some people say that he actually single-handedly integrated Indianapolis. Interesting. And okay. And he would go around to white businesses and talk to them about the benefits of integration and just be like, "Why are you against it? Well, <laughs> that this is why you're wrong." But in like a nice kind of like preachery way, so people Interesting. listen. Interesting. But yeah, so. He had an interracial family. He adopted several non-white children, and he called his family a rainbow family. So if you've ever heard that term, I think Jim Jones coined it, or maybe awesome. he was just saying it. I don't know. That's kind of cute, though. I like that. Yeah. And in fact, he and his wife were the first white couple in Indiana to adopt a black baby in 1961. Aw, that's really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're making me like him. Oh, you you will totally like him until the end. Fabulous. Okay. Yeah, like before he becomes a full-fledged cult leader, <laughs> he's like really progressive, yeah. r- really on top of everything, a total social justice activist. Right. Killing it. And the- <clears throat> literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> also, Jim Jones was a total Marxist, which I love because Karl Marx is one of my favorite sociologists ever. So <laughs> if you don't know anything about Marx, he was a sociologist who was famous for his ideas about capitalism in the most basic way I can possibly tell you about Marx, like in one sentence. He believed that if the working class and the ruling class dynamic continued, that everyone would realize they were being exploited and they would come together and they would have a revolution and then the society would just smoothly transition into communism. So he was like, Capitalism's gonna fail, mm-hmm. and communism will be like the natural progression after that because then everyone would own the means of production, and exploit exploitation wouldn't occur anymore. And he, it's sort of like the perfect model of communism, right? What he and preached. he and he actually didn't really define communism a whole lot, which is a lot of people kind of misunderstand Marx. He didn't, he wasn't like this is communism ever, right? So when people you know, the whole Red Scare, you mentioned that a second ago, mm-hmm. off off the recording. Um, <laughs> and, you know, comparing communist governments to Marx doesn't really make sense because he didn't even say what it was.
1: <laughs> right. And a lot of the times you think about Soviet Russia is usually what comes to mind when you think about communism. And obviously that system failed. So most people associate communism as a failed system of government, when in reality, the ideal form of communism like you said hasn't been officially defined by marx or any other sort it's of prophet leader yeah it's just never actually happened in full capacity we can even look at like finland or sweden who have very similar styles of government to what marx was alluding to but they haven't reached like full marxism Heights, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah,
0: because the reason we can kind of assume what Marx would think communism would look like is that his main problem with capitalism was that the the means of production was owned by a group, and then the other people. So, like that mm-hmm. was the the bourgeoisie, and then the proletariat yeah. did not own any means of production. Yeah, so. If you were to say that's the problem with capitalism and that's why it will fail, then it makes sense to say he probably thought communism would be where everyone equally owned the means of production so that exploitation was impossible. Right. So that's where we kind of get that idea. And that hasn't ever occurred. So. No. So then I haven't actually read the Communist Manifesto. So what does
1: it actually like consist of if Marx has these ideas that aren't really
0: communism, but they are like, what what is that about? So Marx did write the Communist Manifesto with another sociologist, but it really predicts it's more of a critique of capitalism and a prediction of communism than it is explicitly stating what communism is. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I think that Marx was kind of on like the right track when it came to his idealisms. But I think that today there's just a lot of like human greed that exists in the world that would make that perfect sort of socialist slash communist
0: world exist, unfortunately. Maybe. Okay, we'll talk about it because Jonestown (laughs) tried to do that. Tried some communism, and I think it could have maybe worked Mm -hmm. if some people weren't there. Didn't do the thing. But they did. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So in 1956, Jim Jones starts an independent congregation called the People's Temple, So, it was a blend of evangelical Christianity, new age spirituality, and radical social justice. So, it was kind of awesome in theory. Yes.
1: I was just going to say, those are all things that you adore. I do. I
0: mean, I don't, I'm not religious at all, but I would have been able to
1: look past that to join this group. <laughs> I think you probably could have been manipulated into. Oh,
0: totally. The religious aspects I The reason it. I love cults is I could see myself falling for a cult so easily. So easily. I love it. I love a charismatic like person <laughs> who has great ideas. It's so funny. Oh my goodness. So, in 1965, the People's Temple moved from Indiana to a small agricultural town about 200 miles north of San Francisco. By the way, on the topic of San Francisco, (laughs) in the Golden State Killer episode, I definitely just interchange Sacramento, San Francisco. There might be like a San Diego in there. Maybe. Probably. So, sorry about that. (laughs) The Golden State Killer, all of the Golden State. (laughs) The
1: whole Golden State.
0: But, exactly. Yeah. So, Jonestown, though, is San Francisco. Sweet. At least we know that for a fact. yeah. <laughs> so the People's Temple had two main belief systems. There were members who were either, and this would be me, <laughs> either atheist or agnostic, who were inspired to join because of the socialist aspects of the group. And then there were members who were very traditionally Christian who felt called to promote social activism. So basically everyone in the group wanted equality, but some were more leaning towards like literal socialism. And some were more motivated by just like social equality in terms of race and income and gender and stuff like that. Right But they came together regardless Because the people's temple Was really At its core About promoting Social equality Like it was Almost More that Than it was religious At least that's how it started Yes (laughs) It went in a different direction Later Yeah So one of the guiding beliefs of the People's Temple was liberation theology, which, surprise, surprise, Marx wrote about a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is the belief that you should use your religion to aid people suffering from social inequality by exposing the socioeconomic structures that cause the inequality as sinful. It's really popular among Roman Catholics, especially in Latin America and kind of popular in Catholicism in general cuz that that whole religion is known for like doing stuff. Yes. It's like not all talk, but particularly in Latin America, the Roman Catholics were all about this, mm-hmm. which partly explains why the people's temple ends up in Guyana, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> Absolutely. So A very, very basic definition of liberation theology would be Christianity, but in the context of social activism. Yes.
1: So, yeah. So, do you know about this from your Catholic upbringing? Yeah. Yeah. So, that's interesting because I've never heard of it called social... Liberation liberation. theology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But we just... Everyone basically had... You were obligated to not only be someone of faith, you also had to go out and do good works. And they had to be tied together. Like you couldn't just exist on this planet and believe in the Bible and in God and whatever. You had to like do things. You couldn't just say, oh yeah, I love Jesus. And then just expect to go to heaven. You had to do things and be active in your community and give back to people, especially if you were a person of means. But then again, there's also this hypocrisy with that because the Catholic Church, especially um, during the Middle Ages and up into the um, mid-1600s when England really became Protestant under Elizabeth I, you see this entire reign of the Catholic Church and they rule over everyone and there's just this pile of riches that they sit on top of. So that was something that was a little backwards. Um, But yeah, most of the time, at least in the modern day church, social activism is very highly supported and you have to go and do shit. (laughs) So so yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm... I'm slightly over Catholicism at the moment. It's just kind of... Yes, Claire had
0: a fun time at Easter, and yeah. now she's...
1: I did not... We're, bring- we're
0: pulling her to the dark <laughs> side, you guys. Yeah,
1: it was so funny. I, like, texted Randy, and I said, I didn't have a fun time at Mass today because um the priest during his homily, which is, like, the little moment where he talks about the, the reading or whatever for 20 minutes, and he said something really misogynistic, and it bothered me quite a bit, and I was like, I don't like that at all <laughs> yeah it was just something really rude about women being impatient and not being able to like handle things and he was talking about mary magdalene when she found out that christ's body wasn't in the tomb anymore she like ran back and he tried to like cover his tracks being like oh well she was the first evangelical i was like you're so full after of it. he was rude about it yeah i was like you're so what the hell and uh it just made me really angry and um yeah, and then Randy responded to my text message after I explained all of that. And she was like, We have a seat for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, over here. Your butt's it's halfway free. in it. Yeah. Sit so, all the way down, Claire. Sit yeah, so, down over I'm, here. <laughs> I'm pretty much sitting all the way down right now. <laughs> it, it was not a great time. But yeah, the one thing that I really like about the Catholic Church is the social activism, at least for the modern day church, anyway.
0: Right. And you might need to help me with this one, too, because I don't know anything about religion. (laughs) Okay. So another guiding belief was apostolic socialism. Okay. Apostolic, yeah. Apostolic socialism. Okay. Which, if I'm understanding correctly, Jim Jones made up. Okay. I mean,
1: I've (laughs) never heard of that before.
0: So. So it was his way of using the Bible to not justify necessarily, but like promote communism and socialism. So in one of his 1973 sermons, he said, my desire is to see a perfect utopia based on nonviolence, based on apostolic socialism, as it was on the day of Pentecost when they had all things in common. So he's basically like using this story from the Bible that I don't know. So sorry, so maybe Claire <laughs> does, Um, to say that we should live like them, where there's, like, no barriers. It's, like, total equality. We all have the same stuff. Does this... Do you have anything uh, to add? No, I think... Or did he just make this up?
1: <laughs> so, I don't know much about Pentecost. That's um, sort of, like, a more older Jewish tradition, I'm pretty sure. Um. Well, what I was reading said that it was a story from the New Testament. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of the things that happen in the New Testament are actually traditional jewish rituals because christ was jewish and um so i don't know much about pentecost i know I've, i've heard of the word but i know that there are there's a lot of stories in the bible in the new testament about preaching about equality and everyone here is equal and you know blessed are the peacemakers and stuff like that so it was so i understand where Jim Jones is coming from because there is a lot of equality preached in the Bible, and Christians have taken that and said, "Oh, well, it's equality among Christian people, equality for this person, but not that one, but not the (laughs) non-Christian people." When in reality, I'm pretty sure that that wasn't a stipulation. (laughs) But um, yeah, there were there are a lot of moments where Christ would preach about joining together and being together especially about children he would advocate for youth and saying you guys are the future and um you know we have to raise kids upright to be strong and independent people and to spread the word and stuff like that so yeah um I mean there's like the communion of saints it's like a communion of people so big groups that work together for social justice and social equality
0: cool Sorry, I couldn't really provide any context for that. I actually feel really dumb when it comes to that topic. Yeah, and I may be completely wrong about that Pentecost stuff, so we'll see. Well, it's fine. <laughs> what we need to know is that Jim Jones would would constantly talk about this idea of apostolic apostic, apostolic 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 socialism. Okay, <laughs> it was a guiding belief of the People's Temple, which was essentially just. Well, in this story of the Bible, these people had totally equality. They all had everything the same. So, mm-hmm. we, should so we should do that. Just like essentially mm-hmm. just using the Bible to be like, this is why socialism's great. Yeah. Let us know if you know a lot about Jim Jones's religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. And if you want to kind of share in the discussion with us on the Instagram, maybe explain it if you really understand it yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would yeah. be really cool. I would love to read that. Absolutely. Me too. So, another defining characteristic of the People's Temple was its diversity. At the time that it ended, which I'll tell you how it <laughs> ended, ended. In a very dramatic fashion is what happened. Yes. yes. The group consisted of 68% black people, 24% white people, 5% people of mixed race, and the other 3% was represented by other races. hmm and it's also majority female. In fact, 45% of the people's temple were black women. So it was kind of this unparalleled representation of diversity that I don't think we've really seen anything else, uh, you know, that yeah, any no, other like, so right. group that has that much diversity that's related to like Absolutely. a religion or something. Yeah, you don't you
1: usually see it f- so dominated by white people. So it's really interesting to see the larger numbers be black people represented in the cult.
0: Right. And you may be wondering, (laughs) how does a white man (laughs) from Indiana appeal to all these people? Mm -hmm. But when you consider the backdrop of the people's temple, it is it kind of makes sense. So as his congregation was growing, so was the civil rights movement. So was the women's rights movement. And Jim Jones was like, Hey, come over here. We have a place where you can practice your like traditional conservative Christian values, but we're putting this very... Big activism spin on it. And we're all radical. And really, I think what the People's Temple offered was this really cool way to be an activist and this really cool platform that didn't really exist anywhere else. And when I think about the civil rights movement, I think about the dichotomy between Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and I think that for people who maybe fell in the middle of that, that the People's Temple would have offered this really cool thing for them of, we'll be really polite Christians. We're going to show up and we're not going to be violent or anything like that. But at the same time, we're going to have very radical opinions that are shocking to most people at the time. Because if you think about even California, which is a really progressive place, in the 1970s, a congregation to the level of diversity that the People's Temple had was unheard of. It's still right. unheard of to this day, that amount of diversity. Absolutely. It's sort of amazing that it, all of that was able to occur during it was this time period. so cool. And they were essentially just like, here you go. Here's a way to do this. And <laughs> let's like, get some stuff done. Let's do the stuff. Let's go. I love it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> The People's Temple really embodied all of this. They were all about activism and equality. At a moment's notice, they could essentially just produce hundreds of people, whether it was maybe someone needed them to hang up flyers for a cause. Here's 100 people of the People's Temple to mm-hmm. help you. Maybe they needed support at a protest like, here you go. Here's right. tons of people who will do what you want in this like really cool way and they weren't even just about activism in a protest way they also opened homes for foster children for people with disabilities they were really involved in helping elderly people and they would even provide like food and housing for members who couldn't afford to live on their own and like also be really active in the people's temple so it was just really cool. And when they were still in California and doing all this great activism work, they garnered the support of people like Angela Davis, who came here a couple of years ago. She yes, was amazing. She yeah, Harvey Milk, um, the Black Panthers, all of these icons of social justice were like, dang, Jim Jones is really awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, look what he's created. And I don't blame them. Again, I would have thought the exact same thing. In an article about why the People's Temple was so successful in California, a journalist named David Talbot wrote, Jones could be counted on to deliver busloads of obedient, well-dressed disciples to demonstrations, campaign rallies, and political precincts. So kind of like what I was saying, it was like, here, we'll be really polite Christians, so you'll listen to us. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what he did in Indianapolis
1: with the integration stuff. It's like, we're going to show up, dress really nicely, and we'll have a conversation face to face. But it's going to be about something that is radical in its own way. And you're going to sit down with us and listen to what we have to say because of the way we're presenting
0: the information it's really effective i think it's genius it's really really cool and i think that more so than just it being effective and it being this really cool way of doing things that not a lot of people were doing it provided people with like a here you want to be supportive of this here's how you can do that where you didn't have to organize things on your own. You didn't have to figure all of that out. Like, you just joined this group, and they were, like, producing social activists. They were like, "Yeah, go here, go there, do this, do that. And everyone was very, I don't even, I just, I I want to be in it at this time. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> when it was really active and, like, doing good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. The People's Temple was, like, really getting some stuff done in that decade. And then 1977 comes
1: Total and
0: shift. we'll tell you <laughs> about the downfall of Jim Jones and the downfall of the People's Temple in part two. Excellent. I'm so excited. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Bye. Bye.